Truly, this is a happy day. Words cannot express the happiness. This service is uh, special to me, and I'm sure it is to many others here, because this is the building of the church. Not the building itself, but this is the building of the church of Jesus Christ. And one by one, soldiers are marching forward. Soldiers of the cross. Those that are born again. Those that buy in. And so today, this evening, as we worship, I want us to think about God about Jesus Christ, our Savior, and what He has done to empower us to be the church. And through that, we have light. And that is the title of the message this evening, the light. God is light. We see in 1 John 1, 5, this, is, this then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Tonight I declare to you, God is light. There's no darkness in Him. Not only is it my declaration, but it is the words of God Himself. Jesus Christ being a part of of that initial creation. But not only is God light, Jesus said in John 8, then Jesus spake again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. God is light. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. He also says that as long as I am in the world, this is John 9 verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Does that mean that since Jesus was crucified and laid in that tomb and has gone to the Father, that that light has gone out? Far from true. Because this light that shines in the darkness has shined into our hearts. And Jesus declared... In Matthew 5, to us, to you personally, he said, ye are the light of the world. You personally are the light of the world. Personally as a Christian, collectively as the church, we are the light of the world. And it says a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Ephesians 5 verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light in the Lord Walk as children of light. You know, we think about that city set on a hilltop. That bright and shining city. Everyone can see it. And whenever someone is in that vicinity and they see those lights shining, most often we look toward that light. We wait for the sun to rise and we look toward that light. Jesus is the light of the world. And yet, He has gone away. And He has declared that we are the light of the world. And we should walk in that light. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I thank God that we are no longer in the darkness of sin. But we are in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1. Familiar verses that we have here. Genesis chapter 1. In the very beginning, God said. Okay? So as we look at those verses... It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Each one of us are created beings, physically created by God. It says He knew us when we were yet in the womb. This world that God created by a holy, almighty, powerful God spoke into being. And He created that light but I want to look at those couple of words there in the beginning. It says, in the beginning, this earth was without form and void, and it was dark. And this word without form means to lie waste, a desolation, a desert, a worthless thing. It means confusion and an empty place. And this vo word void means to be completely empty. It means to be a vacuum, something that needs to be filled. And the word dark literally means darkness. And I don't know if you all have ever been in the midst of a cave where there is no light, but often I would take some of my class there, and we would go up into the upper room where there was no reflection or refraction of light, and we would have our flashlights, whatever we had there, and I would say, just turn them all out. And in the presence of all of those people, in the, in the absence of that one small beam of light, it was darkness. It wasn't the, the utter darkness, the feeling of darkness, but it was darkness. But this word darkness doesn't mean just dark. It means misery. It means destruction, death, ignorance. It means sorrow, wickedness. And that is where we are apart from Jesus Christ. We are just like this in the beginning. We are without form. We are void. We have a vacuum. And we are in the dark. But in the beginning... God remedied that darkness. He remedied that darkness with His Word. And He spoke into being light. 
He filled that void with created things and beings. And today, God can fix our spiritual darkness with the light, the glorious light of Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. I want you to turn with me, if you will, then to the New Testament. John chapter 1. This is speaking of Jesus there with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus Christ, the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. In that cave... When we shut out all of those lights, it was dark. But one little beam, whether it was a small flashlight or large, whether it was a lighter or a match or whatever, when that light came on, it completely dispelled the darkness. And we need to think about Jesus Christ. In Him was life and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That light is so much brighter than a little pocket flashlight, than a match, or any other light that we can even imagine. That light is so much brighter. And yet, why do we find it hard to understand, or why do we find light so hard to understand or even comprehend? Why is it so easy to stay in the dark, as it were, spiritually? There are some critters, animals, that naturally love darkness. When we were in that cave, we found in the very bottom of that cave, hanging on the ceiling, a really small bat. Now, bats are not blind, but they don't see well at all. They are nocturnal. And most of these bats fly in the dark of night. How do they do that? They do it with that specially designed God, uh, God's special design with echolocation. They let off little squeals, and they hear that, and they, they hear this echo bouncing back, and they're able to navigate through the darkness. They can zone in on obstacles or insects or other food sources. God's design. Is that God's design for mankind too? Far from it. God's design for mankind is to find the light, to find the light of Jesus Christ. If you've ever gone into a dark room, sometimes you go into a dark room and something scurries away. And sometimes you can hear it, sometimes you can see it. And it isn't just because you flip on the light. But it's because of the presence of a being. I've watched our dog sometimes sitting out in the yard barking or looking intently towards something. And you know, you go out and flip on the light. doesn't seem to phase him. 
but you open the door and your presence is heard or felt, instant recognition of a presence of a being. Is it the light that drives it away or is it the presence? Most times it's the presence. And we recognize that darkness covers things. Darkness creates or can create an environment of elusiveness. In darkness, you can hide. And many times we see in Scripture, darkness is characterized as evil or anti-God, a place for wrongdoing. And we know that God cannot dwell there. Anything evil, anything anti-God, anything wrongdoing, God cannot be there because God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. In 1 John, it says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. This God of light dispels the darkness. This God of light that is so much brighter than even the sun dispels the darkness, the darkness of evil, the darkness of sin, of wrongdoing, the darkness of anything apart from Christ, anti-God. But I want us to think about something. Often we see sometimes a reflection, like in a mirror or in water or something like that. But there is no reflection without light. Because darkness prevails. How can we see Jesus without light? The illumination of the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The only begotten of the Son. One of our children, one of the children here read this this evening. I think it was Renee in her testimony. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, the Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. Jesus Christ came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They scurried away. They scurried away from the presence of God. We look at Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned. God came looking for them and they didn't say, here we are. They said, let's go hide. And God looking for them 
found that they had scurried away, they had hidden away because the presence of God, the God of light was there. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, but his deeds should be that is de- lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. We need to think about this in light of eternity. God so loved you personally. God so loved you personally that He was willing to send His only begotten Son to illuminate your heart, to illuminate your mind, to remedy that spiritual darkness that is prevalent in mankind, to eliminate your spiritual darkness. All of us are there at some time or another when we are convicted, as Ryan shared, when we are convicted of our own sinfulness, we recognize the darkness that we are in. And it's not, it doesn't matter how many good deeds we do. It doesn't matter how, many, how much money we give or pre- sermons we preach or anything else. It is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. God says in these verses that it is not His intent to condemn It says in verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God's intent was not to condemn, but to save your heart, your soul, eternally. So the solution for darkness, sin, and condemnation is the light of the world. Jesus Christ. And when the light of Jesus Christ shines in our hearts, the deeds of darkness flee away. Do we still struggle with this fleshly body that we're encapsulated in? Yes, we do. We still have lusts and desires as Daryl shared. We still have these things that want to draw us away from God, from Christ. But as we allow the Spirit to continually work in our hearts, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, drives that darkness from our presence, from His presence. When we accept Christ, we also become a reflection. We become a reflection. We become that city on a hilltop. But you cannot have a reflection without light. Matthew 5, 14, I'll read it again. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And as a Christian, we are the lights of this world. And the people around us can clearly see what is shining forth from our lives. What are we we reflecting? Are we, as Jesus said, truly the light of the world? Do we personally want to reflect that light of the world, Jesus Christ, to be that city on a hill? Proverbs 4, verse 18 says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more 
unto the perfect day. As we follow the way. As we follow the way of Christ. We follow a well-worn path and we need to remember that. It is tried and true. Been there, done that. It is safe and secure. A well-worn path. Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans verse, chapter 10, verse 8. But what saith it? The Word, Jesus, God's Word, is nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is, the Word of faith, which we preach. And it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We see commitments in these three young people here. We see commitments in the audience, this congregation, and from other people that are here visiting. But that faith needs to be in the true light, Jesus Christ. It says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This word makes us aware of our need of salvation. And it gives us some direction. It says we need to confess our sins. It says we need to believe in our hearts. It says we need to accept Christ. And then it says we need to make a verbal declaration. A verbal declaration of our commitment. And that helps seal the deal. But that's not a done deal. It doesn't just stop there because it is a continual sanctification, sanctifying work in our lives. And we see in Ephesians where it's talking about Christ and the church. In Ephesians 5, and this is not a message to husband and wife, but it is a message to the church. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might sanctify and cleanse it. With the washing of the water by the Word. The cleansing power of the Word of God. That we all have multiple volumes, multiple copies. We have this. But unless we partake of it, unless we indulge in it, unless we continually read it and cleanse our lives, it's just a book that is of no use to us personally, if we don't read it and apply it. But this is the Word of God. The truth of God's Word. Jesus Christ. And He's saying that we need to sanctify and cleanse it. Cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word. And it says in verse 27, that He might present it to Himself. A glorious church. He is washing you every day, every moment, every hour as you avail yourself to God and His Word. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Now, I don't know where you are in your Christian life, but I am so thankful that I am today somewhere that I was not when I was 17, 18, and 19 years old. And I'm sure that these young people here this morning can... Hopefully, as they're faithful, look this evening, look back on this time as a place where they drove a stake, 
as a place where they made a commitment, as a place where they became accountable to a brotherhood to help us in our Christian life. Being a part of the bride is for the purpose of sanctification, for purification, for glory of God, to wash away the spots, to iron out the wrinkles so that we can be holy and without blemish. This, that this baptismal service is just another step of answering a good conscience towards God. 1 Peter 3.21 The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a symbol of the washing away of this sinfulness, this darkness. It is identifying with a local body of believers that helps us to be accountable to God, to one another, for God's glory. Following Christ is a commitment. Just like the commitment that was made here this evening. Following Christ is a commitment of faith. It's a commitment of obedience. And it's a commitment to continue in love. Ephesians 5 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Tonight, it is sweet to be able to welcome these young people into our ranks of our, of our congregation. But I am sure the angels rejoiced when commitments were made personally a while ago. And maybe there's someone here that made a commitment and has turned away. God is calling. God is seeking. And we just need to follow in obedience and respond to the light, to the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ for his glory, for our good, for your salvation and mine. God bless you.